For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's Word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. But before we get started, a word from our sponsor. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about cultivating relationships through meaningful conversations. Having conversations with other people just seems to be getting harder, and that is affecting how we are connecting to others in our families and churches and communities. So why are we feeling so isolated? And what can we do to improve our communication with others to build stronger relationships? Well, our guest today, Dr. Heather Holloman, author of the book, The Six Conversations, Pathways to Connecting Again in an Age of Isolation and Incivility, is here to shine a light on this topic and answer questions that can help move us forward in connecting with others by having better conversations. Dr. Heather Holloman is an associate teaching professor at Penn State, speaker and author. She designs advanced writing curricula for the English department and loves helping students thrive professionally. She has written eight books, including the bestseller, Seated with Christ, Living Freely in a Culture of Comparison, and an award-winning book on evangelism co-written with her husband, Ashley Holloman, called Sent, Living a Life that Invites Others to Jesus. And we do also have a podcast on that amazing book, which we will put a link to. Heather also serves with Faculty Commons in the Professor and Graduate Student Ministry of Crew. She has two daughters and three cats, which I love, and she blogs daily at heatherholloman.com. She also has a podcast called The Verb with Heather Holloman. When she's not writing or teaching, Heather is growing a plum orchard, looking for turtles in the woods, or gathering with friends for dinner in a movie. Please welcome Heather. How are you? I'm so excited to be on your podcast. This is going to be a great conversation. I just know it. Yes, it absolutely is. It's just, I'm so delighted to have you back again. And I just feel like this is a topic that's just so desperately needed. You know, for most of us, conversational skills aren't something I don't think that was taught to us specifically by our parents, at least not mine. It wasn't a class that, you know, we took in school. But as you allude to in the book, just meaningful conversations are something that we all desire. So why don't you just start by giving us a background as to why you wrote this book on having better conversations? Well, I wrote this book because I, first of all, I love research as an academic. I love studying things that, you know, when I'm trying to answer questions about, you know, how to have a better life, I do like reading the social science and I was trying to answer the question how do we solve this loneliness epidemic problem on the college Mm. campus? How come everyone feels lonely and isolated? And we're seeing a lot of health problems, mental health, physical health, all these problems related to a lack of meaningful social interactions. 
So I, w- I began answering that question, like, okay, my students are suffering. Churches are suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, Christians are really designed to be unified, to have wonderful fellowship. And I wasn't seeing that. And I was in my own conversations, I was realizing that we're really in a culture of suspicion, outrage, division, and the loneliness was so real in my own life that I thought there's got to be an answer to this. So that prompted my journey to answer the question, how do we have meaningful connections? And a lot of the research says it's really the foundation of a happy life and that without meaningful connections, your physical and mental health are going to really suffer. Yes. Oh, that's so true. Well, why why is it important to have what you call the four mindsets of a loving conversation? What well, are they? yes, I love what you said, Ellen. A lot of people don't teach the art of conversation. So a lot of parents and a lot of teachers want to form loving community within their family, their neighborhoods, their classrooms, but they have no idea how to do it. And it's not just about having the right questions to ask. That's just a small part of this book, the six categories of conversations and how to never let get lost in a conversation again. But what I found in all of the research is you really need four mindsets. And if these mindsets are all happening in a conversation, you're going to have a warm connection with people. If one of them's missing, you won't have that warm connection. So the four mindsets are, are these. And the other thing is, as I share them, you're probably going to think, oh, where have I heard these before? They're all found in the pages of scripture, in particular, Philippians 2 Mm -hmm. and Romans 15. So the four mindsets, in any interaction, you want to be curious about people, really ask meaningful questions about their life, like you're willing to take an interest in them. Number two, you want to believe the best about them. It's called unconditional positive regard. Instead of being suspicious or judgmental, you're going to choose to believe the best. Number three, you're going to express concern. It's called investment. It's a way of carrying each other's burdens like we learn in Galatians 6. Just being invested in other people's happiness. The last one is share your life. A lot of people are good at asking questions and maybe leading like an interview, but they don't know how to share their own life when it's time to share vulnerably with others. So those four mindsets are confirmed by social science research and also what we learn through the pages of scripture about how to live well. Mm, Those are all so good. And you know what I really love that you do in the book, Heather, is that your your book is really very, very practical. Yes. Like it's something that you can read and start applying today. Right. right? And uh, yeah. you've got really good tips. Like as you go through each of these, you have three tips. Like I'm looking at one here. It says, begin a conversation with these words. I'm so curious. Tell me about Exactly. Right. And, 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 and some of us need that. Like, I love that. That's like, oh my gosh, I've never thought to say that to anyone. And that's a great starter. So I, I love, love how that. you have these practical tips. Well, most people are really deficient in one of those categories. I don't know about you, Ellen, but for me right now, I struggle with believing the best and also mm-hmm. sharing my life. And When I look at scripture about loving your enemies, blessing those who persecute you, and think about Philippians 2, where we're told to value other people above ourselves, 
the Holy Spirit really convicted me like you need to approach your husband, your children, your neighbors, mm. and your colleagues with unconditional positive regard. It, it reflects the grace of God in our own life mm. to just believe the best about people. And people can tell. They can tell if you're judging them. Most people in the culture are really suspicious right now. So like if my students laugh when I say, I know what you're thinking when you meet someone, you're wondering who did they vote for? What do they believe about vaccines? What was their stance on Roe v. Wade? They all start laughing because they do that. They're just judging everyone. Mm, yeah, that's so easy to do. I know. Do you feel culture. that? You, yes. I mean, don't you think that in the four categories, most people would struggle with one mm -hmm. of those four? Yeah, I do yes. too. And teens in particular, young people, because I know you love young people. I love that about mm -hmm. you. You love the younger generation. They would say interpersonal curiosity. My daughter's like, people think it's weird if you ask personal questions. I was like, no, they don't. She said, I go to a school with 2000 people. No one asks about each other. I said, look, take a risk. Go to your friend. Say, I'm so curious. You know, what music are you listening to? She literally has to try to ask questions about other people because the culture just doesn't do that anymore. And people are longing for other people to ask some meaningful questions about their lives. Yes, they are. It's it's really amazing how you can perk someone up just yes. by being interested in them. Well, as we try to have better conversations, we need what you call three fresh goals for a loving conversation. What's the what's the point of conversation based on your investigation of research? On well, this is what I loved because I had to tell my students that the point of conversation is not to win an argument. So they're on social media. So think about Twitter. Think about um, what we're using our communication forms for. It's to express our opinion, to make sure people know that we're right. And that is fine. People can do that. I love, I, I'm a supporter of public protest. I believe in realms of debate and argument, but that will not form a warm and loving connection. What goes wrong in conversations is we're seeing the goal of conversation as winning an argument. Mm -hmm. But scripture and the social science research teaches that when you have a conversation, you should be thinking of three things. How can I encourage this person? How can I help them achieve their personal goals? And how can I lead us to a state of marveling or worship? And I love that. So think about scripture saying, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only for what is helpful for encouraging others and building them up according to their needs. I wasn't living that way, Ellen. I wasn't mm. thinking in every conversation. Can you imagine if you're thinking, how can I say an encouraging word? Mm -hmm. all goals. Think about Hebrews spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. I love connecting with my friends and saying, okay, what projects are you working on? How are you growing? What, what What's happening in your personal development life? They love that. People love it when you ask them and even saying, how can I support you in your goals? And leading to mm. modeling and worship is a beautiful brain state. The research says if you can be in a state of awe with someone, you're going to be less depressed, you're going to be more connected, and you're going to feel less alone. And so that's as simple as saying, you know, if you're walking with someone in nature, pointing out the beauty of nature, mm -hmm. talking about spiritual realities, talking about divine intervention, or putting yourself in situations where you can marvel about the beauty and the mystery of the world. Yeah.
Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Oh, I, that just reminds me of like taking a walk. Um, in a forest preserve or something like that and sharing that experience with someone. Well, I'd also like to talk about what goes wrong in conversations. Why, why aren't we having good conversations? Well, usually people are deficient in the four mindsets or the three fresh goals, but the best thing I learned in all of my research, the thing that really changed my life was when I learned how to listen So there are 10 pitfalls, which we can talk about in a second, but before you get into like things that would go wrong in conversation, whether it's complaining or gossip or you're being divisive, people have lost the art of listening. Mm. So here's what I learned about what you're listening for. So when you're talking, when, when someone's talking, you're listening for what I call their core values. You're listening So you can say to them things like, you know, as you're talking, I can really tell that you value and then whatever it is, they will feel so loved. They will feel seen and connected. And it's a great way to begin a warm connection. So for example, I have a colleague that I didn't know her at all last year. And I went into her office to try to have a warm connection. And I just said, how are your work projects going? So I asked a question in the, you know, cognitive realm. We'll talk about the six pathways, but I just asked a question about her work. You know, what have you been thinking about? How is your work going? And I noticed that she kept saying things like, well, I turned in this one project. I didn't feel like it was my best work, or I turned in this one thing and it didn't go the way I wanted. And I said to her, you know, as you're talking, I can really tell that you value excellence. And she said, I do, I really do. And then I was able to move through the six conversational pathways to ask really good follow-up questions. And at the end of the conversation, Ellen, she said, I love talking to you. This is the best part of my week. Can you please come back again? And now we have lunch every Wednesday. She is one of my best friends. We have such a warm connection and it all began because I listened. I do that with my neighbors, with my children. If you have children, And they're talking like, for example, a teenager talking about her hair or skincare or her clothes, you can say, I can really tell that you value aesthetics and kind of looking your best and and beauty. And I love that about you. I love that you value that they will come alive. They'll be like, I do. I really do value that. And it's just (laughs) a way of honoring people. And, you know, like I listening to you, Ellen, I know you care about developing people and, and your mentoring heart. That's a core value of yours. And I, if I were to go out to coffee with you, that's what I would want to talk about is, mm. oh my gosh, I love that about you. Tell me more 
-hmm. about how you, you know, it's just endless conversation once you identify a core value. Yes. Wow. That is, that's just so insightful. Um, yes. Probably something that just most people haven't even wrapped their minds around. It is well, an important aspect of conversation. Well, yeah, because a lot of people don't even think, okay, why am I trying to connect with this person? Well, you're trying to get to know them and, and core values are anything from like, like I said, excellence or mentoring, but what about people who value, um, efficiency or people who deeply value adventure or planning or integrity, just listen to people and always think, okay, what do they really value? Okay. This could also save your marriage because I value efficiency, but my husband values thoughtful deliberation. He takes forever to make a decision. Mm. But when I say to him, I know you really value this and my value is efficiency. So what are we going to do here? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it really helps in marriage to be able to say, I can tell you value this. This is important to you. Mm. That's so cool. Well, I wanted to just re- ask you one question that, you know, I know in your book, you talk about um, one thing that can go wrong is people not reciprocating. And yes. do you have any tips for like, you really want to have a meaningful conversation, but the other person is not reciprocating. <laughs> Ellen, that is so funny. That's the number one question I'm getting on radio interviews and podcasts because <laughs> people say this, okay, I'm going to read your book and I'm going to become an expert in conversation, but what do I do when my conversation partner doesn't reciprocate? Yes. Here's my best advice. <laughs> one thing I've been doing is you can actually train your conversation partner. This is something I do. Like after I'm asking good questions, I'm I'm living out my four mindsets. I'm curious. I'm believing the best. I'm expressing concern. I'm sharing my life. I may actually say to someone, I have really enjoyed asking you questions to get to know you. I'm really curious what question you're going to ask me. Mm-hmm. I literally prompt them or I tell them I'm really trying to grow in the art of conversation and I'm learning how to ask questions in categories that people enjoy. I can tell that you enjoy questions in the spiritual category, but I'll say to my conversation partner, I really love it when you ask about, you know, my friends, the social category or physical, like what is happening with my body or my physical spaces. So you can tell people um, that you want them to ask you questions and tell them what questions you like to ask them. So it is okay to say, I'm really lonely. I want people to engage me in meaningful questions. So don't be afraid to tell your conversation partner. You can also talk about conversational turn-taking. I've told my friends that monologue, if they're talking for more than two minutes at a time, I'm like, look, I'm learning about conversational turn-taking. We got to go back and forth here. Cause I don't know about you, Ellen. Like, do you have friends that just go on forever? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You can tell them like, Hey, okay, let me talk now. And people want to grow in this. It's such a professional skill too. People will be grateful if you're like, look, we're trying to grow in this area. Let's work together on how to have a really good mutually satisfying conversation where we're both experiencing a warm and loving connection. Mm -hmm. Well, when you revisited the basics of how to have a great conversation, what did you learn about the skills that we need to return to or learn for the first time? 
Well, listening was the major one, but it's also limiting distractions, letting others speak. I mean, you may be either someone who talks too much or too little. A mm -hmm. lot of people don't let others speak. They they mm -hmm. interrupt. They want to get their own point across. You can give someone, it's like a sacred gift, Ellen, to give someone time to talk and to really listen to them. And then limiting distractions. I'm sure your listeners may have heard this study that even the presence of a cell phone in a conversation is just really distracting to people. And I've been in conversation with people where I'm sharing deeply personal things and they'll like answer a text or be checking oh. their TikTok and it just hurts you. So yes. I would say limit your distractions, even make a big deal of it. Say, look, I'm going to put my phone on silent right now because I really want to talk to you. I really want to enjoy this conversation. So, um, and making time for it, going back to the basics of just valuing space for conversation. So I will arrive to events often 20 minutes early, which is a lot, but I'll do that. Mm -hmm. So I have time for meaningful conversation and I make sure I'm not rushing off to things like that. There's lots of time to connect, especially with teens where you can't schedule a conversation. You kind of have to be there when they're ready to talk. Yeah. So things like that. Um, and I did learn that you can love others well through your face. Um, people, sometimes I furrow my brow because I'm interested and I scrunch up my face. It's better if you raise your eyebrows, tilt your chin up to express interest and things like that are just joyful things I learned in the book about how to really um, have great conversations. Mm. Oh, those are all great advice. How about handling fear and self-consciousness? I know that can really hold people back um, from even starting a conversation. Well, that's what I'm working on with my daughter right now and other people in my life who want to develop this gift, but there is a lot of fear. First of all, it is a risk. I just want to acknowledge that we need to do these things by faith and we need to practice overcoming our fear. Here are two things to encourage you. All the research I read shows that people enjoy personal questions and they do, you do not come off as awkward and, you know, weird as you think you are. If you ask someone a personal question, you're thinking, oh, they hate me. They think I'm weird. I'm so awkward. No, they're not thinking that they're, they like you people like it. The other thing is it is okay to realize that this gets easier as you, it's called taking a pro social risk just every day tell yourself, I'm going to ask someone a personal question today. I'm mm. going to engage even this stranger in a conversation and then see what happens. Over time, you're going to realize the joy of meaningful connection. And it's how relationships form. Your loneliness is going to decrease. Research shows, you know, your depression feelings often decrease when you're having warm and connected relationships. So the last thing is to do it by faith. I, God is really pleased when we do things that require faith and to enter a conversation by faith means you say to the Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. This person, <laughs> this may come off as all wrong, you know, help me, Lord, help me do this by faith. And then ask God to give you just the right question to bless this person. Um, what I love about this book is it really helps you take your eyes off yourself, value mm -hmm. other people, and just take that first step. And also to prepare yourself with really good questions. And that's where the six conversations come in. Mm. You know what? 
I think it's just what one thing that you said really just hit me. And that is, I think maybe sometimes we set expectations so big, but it could be just a goal of setting, you know, what telling yourself, I'm going to talk to one person to yes, ask them yes. one question. Exactly. It doesn't have to be mammoth. And I think of this, uh, I need to challenge myself because I usually go to the gym Monday through Friday, and it's generally the same group of people, you know, some people in and out. And it does kind of feel like family when you start to just chip away, like, you know, learn one thing about one person. You don't have to talk mm -hmm. to every single person, but I'm just going to pick one person today and ask them and ask a good question. question. Yeah. First of all, I love that you go to the gym every day. I'm totally inspired. I, mm. I know we don't have a lot of time, but now I'm so curious. Like, what do you do? How'd you get motivated to go to the gym? I need to go to the gym. I'm a walker, but I really wish I could be someone that went to the gym every day. So bravo. I'm impressed. Oh, well, yeah. actually, that was um, from my doctor. It was like, you need to get weight-bearing exercise. So that's how it all started. Oh, okay. I love that. <laughs> um, why does asking good questions matter so much? Well, it relates to that uh, principle of being really curious and asking questions that are truly meaningful. What we're seeing is people always say like, how are you doing? Which is in the emotional category. It's a legitimate question, but we tend to ask about sports, weather, or how are you doing? Mm. When you have sort of a whole toolbox of great questions to ask, you'll never get lost in starting a conversation or continuing a conversation. This is going to change your professional life, your life with your family, and your life with your neighborhood because you're always going to be someone that knows how to engage other people. So anytime you meet someone, there are six pathways of questions you could ask. And they're easy because it's the, just the six dimensions of being human. So imagine you're at the gym, Ellen, you want to connect with someone. You have six options to start and then six options to continue in endless permutations. So the six categories are, so you're at the gym, you see someone, you can ask a social question. Tell me more about who you spend time with. Like I see you at the gym, but who, like where, where else are you hanging out in community? That's a social question. Emotional. That's easy. That's how are you feeling? How have you been feeling lately? Physical. That's your body and physical spaces. I'm amazed that people love to talk about their body and nobody asks about it, especially aging people. Mm -hmm. If you ask, how have you been sleeping? I ask that question to my students, Ellen, like, how have you been sleeping? I know more about lavender, melatonin, you know, all the things they're doing. <laughs> and people love to talk about their physical spaces. Teenagers love it when you say, tell me what's new in your room or what have you done different in your dorm room? Mm -hmm. um, physical also includes all the the five senses. So think about music. What music are you listening to? What new restaurants have you tried? Things like that. The fourth category is cognitive. I love this. This is my favorite category. And it's when you ask people, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. What have you been thinking about? We were at dinner with new neighbors the other night, and we had the best conversation because we asked the question, what thought keeps you up at night? Like, what's the thought you have right before you go to bed? We had the best time. Okay, so, so far we've done, you can do social, emotional, uh, physical, you can do cognitive. The last two are volitional, meaning the choices people are making. Mm -hmm. Ask about upcoming decisions, 
or even how your friend chose to start going to the gym. You could say, you know, I love working out with you. I'm so curious. What, how did you decide to choose this gym or how did you decide to start working out or how did you decide what exercise to do? And the last one is spiritual. Now, the passion of my heart is uh, giving people tools to talk about their relationship with Jesus and the spiritual category. People love to talk about spiritual topics. They're not afraid of it. Nobody thinks it's weird. It is okay to ask people a question like Christmas is coming up. You could say this holiday is so important to my family. I'm so curious. What are your holiday traditions? Do you guys have any? Um, you'll learn so much about people. So what I love about the six pathways is you start in that category and then you have six categories to continue the conversation. So if someone says, I decided to go to the gym because I was trying to meet people or whatever, then you could ask a social question. Well, tell me the kind of people you like to hang out with. You could ask another emotional question, like, how does it feel when you're at the gym? Like, do do you get the endorphin, you know, whatever it is. So you can just keep going down the list and never get lost again, asking meaningful conversational questions. Hmm. Those are so fascinating. And I imagine the more you practice, the better you get or you remember, because obviously you see like it comes so naturally for you. But even for you, Heather, was it something that over time? Yes. In fact, a lot of people are like, yeah, a lot of people say, why didn't you make like an acronym or a diagram? Like, how can I remember the six pathways? And I tell them, figure out a way to remember when you're looking at someone that there are six dimensions of who they are. Just think they've got friends, they have physical bodies, they have emotions, they're thinking about things, they're making choices, they have a spiritual life. That's how I remember. I'm just looking at the categories of a person's life. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I do is I, I learn what people like to talk about. So most people don't like to talk about their emotions. I don't know why, but that's why you get the one word answer. Like, how are you doing? They'll say, I'm fine. I don't ask that question anymore. I'll say to people, I haven't seen you in a while. You know, who have you been hanging out with? Or tell me about the projects you're working on or what have you been thinking about? And then the second question could be, what emotions does that bring up? Like my friend who I was connecting with her and she said, Uh, when I said, you really value excellence. And she said, I do, I really do. I said, well, what does that feel like for you when you know you haven't done your best? Like what emotion is that? We had the richest conversation and actually Mm -hmm. led to a gospel presentation because she said, I feel, you know, really guilty. I feel like a bad person. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. how do you recover from that feeling? What choices? That's the volitional category. What do you do? What choice do you make when you feel that way? And I said, you know, as a Christian, what I love about my relationship with Jesus is I never really have to do my best. He doesn't care. Like Jesus loves me at the Mm. moment of my failure. The whole point is I'm asking him to give me the power to do the good works he's prepared for me, but nothing's at stake in my relationship with him because he loves me so much. So you're going to have so many conversations about God that happen just naturally when you engage people like this. Mm. It's beautiful. Very important that we, yeah, I love how you said, think of the six dimensions and sort of just keep, keep building and repeating with other new people one step at a time. Well, I'd like to ask you about this default conversation style 
tell us what you mean when you say that you think okay everyone <laughs> has things they love to talk about and so your mm -hmm. default conversation may be that you find yourself always talking about the same things like for teens they tend to love to talk about their friends or love to talk about you know physical skincare hair care routines what what a challenge is is to get out of your default conversational mood like if you're always asking talking about sports and try to ask questions in a category that maybe you haven't asked people before, because it's a way of remembering that not everyone loves to talk about the things you love to talk about. So I love it when my husband asks me questions in the cognitive category, because that's my default conversational mood. You know, I love talking about ideas. He does not like that category. So I know that he loves it when I ask him questions in the physical category. He loves talking about physical spaces, physical projects, how he's working with his hands, like, you know, what his systems are, his work systems are. And so it's a way of thinking, okay, how can I break out of my default? Like the, the conversation you're always going to go to, to yeah. branch out and also really be aware of you know, listening how to other, what other people want to talk about, because if they're only giving you one word answers, you know, you haven't hit their, mm -hmm. their desired, their preferred conversation. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, was connecting with a very reserved technical person and I could not form a warm connection. And this was a colleague where I really did need to feel a connection because we were going to be on a team together and I asked questions in every category. He was looking down. He, you know, one word answer. Finally, I said, you know, I noticed that you live out um, kind of out far in the country. Are you a gardener? Okay. He talked for 20 minutes oh, about his garden. And I thought, okay, I hit it. This is what we like to talk about here. So I learned okay, just because I'm not someone that's going to talk about land all day long, he may really want to talk about that. And by the end, we had such a warm connection. He said, look, would your husband ever want to come out and, and we could get cider at the cidery or would you guys want to come out and see my heirloom? You know, oh. so you're, you're going to see that people will feel warmly connected to you when you mm. break out of these default conversational patterns and really ask meaningful questions. Mm. That's such an, a neat point when you realize like you've hit, you've hit something that they really yes. want to talk about. Yes. Okay. Well, Heather, you end your book with a chapter called The Greatest Conversation about God's Questions in the Book of Genesis. Tell us what you discovered and why having conversations with God matters for how we relate to others. Well, what I loved about thinking through this book was, you know, I had to ask, you know, does Jesus do this? Does he ask questions? He does. He asks mm -hmm. questions in every category of what it means to be human. And I love his interactions with people. But then I went back to the very beginning of scripture because the first conversation recorded between the Lord and Adam and Eve is so fascinating because the three questions he asks really get to the heart of who we are as humans and our need for a savior. So he asks, you know, where are you? Who told you you were naked and what have you done? And those questions are really symbolic or not even symbolic. They're just indicative of the questions everyone needs to ask themselves. Who, where are you? Is like, okay, where are you in relation to God? Where are you? 
The second one, when it's like, who told you you were naked? It's almost like, ask yourself, who am I authorizing to tell me who I am? And who, who told me about myself? I Mm -hmm. I want to, I want people to think like, who am I listening to, to tell me who I am? And then what have you done is really a question that gets to the heart of our need for a savior. And this idea that we're sinners Mm -hmm. that fall short of a holy God. And once what I, what I love about this idea of being reconciled to God and, and allowing the Holy spirit to, you know, have that conversation with God, you know, where am I? Am I going to listen to you, God? And, you know, am I going to ask for forgiveness and come into a relationship with you? Once you do that, I really feel like conversation then with God, it's this sacred reality that you can actually talk to God. He will listen to you and he will answer you through scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through other people. It's so powerful. And then you're able to display his love through the way you talk to other people. And then conversation just becomes a sacred space. Respect, you know, it reflects the relational nature of God. It's really this beautiful thing. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit of unity. So when you're having conversations with people and building unity, you're really reflecting something that God cares deeply about. Mm, yes. Oh, that's, that's so brilliant to actually think about those three questions and then knowing how we can use them in the context of our own lives today and and just this questioning area of people tapping into their spirituality or yeah. what, what their inter- interests are in that area yeah. because I think a lot of people too just don't even know or there's an opportunity for dialogue there if we ask the right question. Yeah. I I mean, and what I love about the six conversations, writing that book, it was really a companion book to the book sent because I care so much about telling people about Jesus that really my goal, if you do these practices, the four mindsets, the three fresh goals, and as you ask good questions, inevitably you're going to have so many opportunities to talk about your faith because when you have a warm connection with someone and then they say, okay, what about you? What have you been thinking about? Mm -hmm. I'm able to say to people, well, I'm reading the book of Joshua. Let me tell you something I learned. And even with your atheist colleagues or neighbors, they're going to be fascinated and connected with you. And it's going to be so easy to talk about Jesus because you already have that warm connection. That's so beautiful. Well, how can people find out more information about you, Heather, and your new book? Well, what's fun is if you go to heatherholloman.com and click on books and then click on the six conversation image of the book, there is a free PDF you can get of of just um, an excerpt. So I think it's the introduction and chapter one. I also included a free download for you of my 100 favorite questions to ask Mm -hmm. my students. My favorite one right now to ask them is tell me how you've been procrastinating lately. Mm -hmm. They love that. And I, it was the best conversation with my students. I also provide a little helpful worksheet to guide people in how to start these conversations, especially if you're in a hard situation. So all three resources are available. I also blog every day. So you can sign up um, to receive a little encouraging word in your inbox each day. So heatherholloman.com. Oh, fabulous. We will put a link in our show notes to get people right there. 
Well, Heather, I know that um, we have our favorite questions we, and I asked you those last time, but I'm going to ask you maybe just a little uh, different version of it. Sure. Um, what are you reading right now? Like what, what, what is your favorite book that you're reading right now that it isn't well, your own? <laughs> I am fascinated by my, I'm trying to grow in the area of prayer. And so I'm reading a book about touching the world through prayer. And I am trying to really develop my prayer life. And so I'm reading mm. that book. I also love um, two books that are on my nightstand right now are Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. And I'm rereading Gentle and Lowly, which I know became sort of this bestseller that everyone's reading. But in the Bible, I'm someone who reads five Psalms a day. And I love the beginning of a month because then you can start Psalm 1. And I'm reading up the Bible in a year, the Bible recap thing. I read um, just a few chapters a day. And right now I'm in the book of Joshua. But then I like to read in the New Testament. So today I was reading the book of Romans. Um, I love the book of Romans right now. So <sighs> those are the things I'm reading. And um yeah, I'm a big reader, so I love reading nonfiction most of all. Um, and I was also reading a book about aging well called Growing Grand mm. instead of Old. That's a good book. So what about you? I have to know, Eleanor, I know I'm not allowed to ask you questions, but are, do you have a favorite book you're reading right now or like something on your nightstand? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I actually have um, a lot of books. <laughs> I imagine you do. Um, yeah. And actually the one that, um, I've been reading now is, uh, a book about, um, motherhood. Yes. <laughs> and so it's really, it, it relates to this group I'm in, in my church called moms making our mothering significant. And oh, so it's, that. um, yeah, so it's, it's a book on kind of the fruits of the spirit and, and, utilizing those and right now like for example this week we just talked about gentleness and what does that oh. look like as a mother and how important <laughs> is that and so I love that I absolutely love that you're doing that one of my key values in my own motherhood is joy the fruit of the spirit mm. of joy and how to create like a really joyful warm home environment yes. and that has been something I've continued to try to develop. And that is anything from creating what's called like the, I call it the warm welcome. Like when people walk in the house, I want there to be, you know, something baking, like a treat, you know, candles lit, fun yes. music, you know, making it yes. joyful. Like every day it's like a joyful celebration and it's just the Holy spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit to have that, um, environment because how many people grow up in homes mm -hmm. that are just negative and fearful and critical I, I just love that you're teaching moms that the fruit of the spirit is available and joy would be my favorite one. Oh, love that too yes I'm a big big fan of warm welcomes so you'll have to come over if you're ever in the midwest Heather. <laughs> I want to I want a warm welcome do you do anything else that I didn't mention in the warm welcome like do you do any I want to learn from you do you have another well, thing you add I in? always put on I love um the Frank Sinatra type music so oh, I always Frank. Ah, 
Yes. I have Frank. Look at our warm connection. I love Frank. I always have Frank on. Yes. I always put him on. I always put like a scented candle on. Yes. Um, always have the lighting and I Do just you put out food or not always? Um, it depends what type of day it is, but I do I love to cook and bake. So usually oh. food is involved. <laughs> I love that I love Frank Sinatra. I love that and I love any playlist that sounds like that. And on Spotify, I found this amazing oh. playlist called Italian Villa in the <gasps> Summer. Ooh. Write that down, press play on Italian Villa in the Summer. It is the best <gasps> kitchen playlist. You Ooh. will thank me later. Oh, Italian Villa in the Summer, put it on, cook to it, have it on all afternoon. Everyone's going to love it. Ah, oh, fantastic. Well, Heather, it's been just such a joy to have you here again. This subject is just so important. And I really believe that your book is going to be so helpful to the people listening here that are struggling with having conversations with others. It's, we need this tool. So for our listeners, pick up a copy of Heather's book, The Six Conversations. You can find the link in our show notes. I'd like to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. We also have two courses available on how to pray using our prayer journal and prayer binder. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.